They have guns, they are organized, and they're trained. No, I'm not talking about the Minutemen of 1776. I'm talking about Citizen Militias of 2021. I'm Martin Morgan, your host of Shout Out Patriots. I'm joined by Pastor Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. Today, we have a special guest. Dan Abbott, the executive director of the Campbell County, Virginia Militia. He's going to answer that question we've all been wanting to know. Why do we need a citizen militia in the 21st century? Shout out, Patriots. Welcome, Patriots. Thanks for joining the show. My name is Martin Moyer. I'm the host of Shout Out Patriots. And you know our regular guest, Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. Say hello, Jason. What's up, Patriots? All right. And we have Michael at the uh, computer board. Hey, good afternoon, Patriots. Glad to have you back. And we have a special guest today, and his name is Dan Abbott. He's an Army veteran uh, and currently serving in the National Guard, right, Dan? That's correct. All right. And uh, you are also the current executive officer of the Campbell County Militia. And you formed that in February of two years ago, right? Uh, 2020. That's correct. All right. So um, tell me a little bit about that. I heard that some 200 plus citizens showed up at Tim Brook Park. It's that part of the militia uh, genesis of your group? Yeah, it is, in fact. Uh, so a couple weeks prior to that, Bedford County, which is a neighboring county, had, as far as I'm aware, the first public militia muster in probably several hundred years. And uh, they had an awesome turnout. I think they had close to 600 people show up for that. And so two weeks later, Campbell, the neighboring county, replicated and did the same thing. And uh, I think we had 260-some people sign up to be part of the unorganized militia for Campbell County. Did that surprise you, that many people showing up? Bedford County must have surprised me. I was, I was shocked. I, th- I thought that there would be 50 people there. And when 500 and some showed up, I was, I was blown away. But the, the following, you know, two weeks later, I wasn't, I wasn't shocked because we're just repeating something that had just been done. Well, I think there's something in the Virginia Constitution that would probably surprise most of America and probably a lot of people who live in Virginia. But the state constitution allows for militias to form in this state. I want to read to you a part of what the state constitution says. State constitution calls for a well-regulated militia composed of a body of the people trained to arms. So there it is in the constitution. What exactly does it mean? Well, you know, if, if we even go back or go up and we look at the U.S. Constitution, you know, a lot of people read the Second Amendment as saying that uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, that's true, but that's only the second half of the amendment. The first half says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. As such, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And, you know, if we look at that or we look at the section you just talked about, Virginia Code Section 44-1, it actually defines unorganized militias being the whole body of the people, males, ages 16 to 55, trained to arms. And, you know, if we look at documents like that that were written 250 some odd years ago, the first thing that I want to do is figure out what did those words mean then? What what did the author intend when he wrote that? And looking at militia from a historical standpoint and historical context, those organizations were in every community across the colonies and, uh, you know, there were a couple other things that stood out to us when we started looking at it. Um, one of those was the caliber of men that led those. 
It was Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and John Adams, and the list goes on and on and on. I would argue they were the finest men in the world at the time. And so to me, that's a, that's a driving force of what these organizations should represent. The other thing that we found is that uh, they were a community support organization. It wasn't as simple as uh, just being, you know, through the 80s and 90s, I guess, militia kind of earned a bad reputation, or the word did, because of some organizations that were a little bit fringe. They were maybe neo-Nazi, maybe white supremacist. Um, they were everything that a militia should not be, and certainly were not any of the stuff that it should be. And if we're looking at it, we look at it in a historical context, the way that it was intended to be, and they were a community support organization. They they weren't just gunfighters or community defense. They were also the local fire brigade, and they were the able-bodied men in the community that were called out to essentially do a barn raising to build a new church. There was there were so many other things that all of the able-bodied men who contributed to their community did and were involved with, and all of that fell under the umbrella of the militia. Let me ask you two questions about this wording and the Constitution. I guess uh, one is, uh, I'm rather disappointed that uh, the cap is at 55 because that means I cannot be a part of a militia. So rather, you can, Pastor. Yeah, I'm thinking about joining, Marty. Well, you ought to. I was thinking about joining too. I think initially I got the invitation to go to this meeting, and then you know the thing about 55 popped up and. I couldn't lie about my age, I'm assuming, if I went. So I nope. uh, did not show up at this. Um, Dan, is there an exclusion clause in there? Well, that- I'm actually, I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people do read that, and we actually used that code section in the flyers for the muster. And, you know, what's being talked about there is there is a requirement as a citizen of Virginia in the event that the governor called up the unorganized militia to assist with a natural disaster or a foreign invasion or whatever it may be, that if you fit into those parameters, if you are male ages 16 to 55, you are required to serve. That is not an exclusionary clause there that says, well, if you're outside of these parameters, you don't get to participate, you don't get to help, you're not allowed to be involved. It's a requirement that if you fit into that category, you're required to serve. There's still, oh, there's that, still hope, Marty, I guess that's you don't have to serve. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> so the second thing is the wording trained to arms. Uh, I guess when I first read that, I met. I guess I was under the impression it meant that if you had a militia, uh, then you had to do exercises in the field and train people into how to use a firearm. But I guess uh, another way of reading it is, is that you have to first be trained in arms to even join the militia, which which is correct. So I would say that the militia has a responsibility and an obligation to the people, ages 16 to 55, to ensure that they are trained to arms so that in the event that the governor calls on them, that base is covered, it's been taken care of. So yeah, we consider it a responsibility to make sure that our communities are in fact trained to arms. And does that necessarily mean trained to military service? No, not necessarily, but it certainly means safe handling of firearms. You know, I would consider America to be probably the most heavily armed society uh, possibly in history. And yeah, there's guns absolutely everywhere. So we consider it to be our responsibility to help law enforcement and help the National Rifle Association and a whole bunch of other organizations make sure that people are trained in the use of arms so that they can use them safely. All right. So this is kind of surprising. Uh 
let me lead in by saying that I'm sure that most of the people that are listening to us never even heard of Campbell County, Virginia before. However, uh, you have been, hey, you have drawn the attention of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and what I consider one of the most liberal publications of all, Mother Jones. So uh, did it shock you that these left-leaning, anti-gun, probably militia-hating publications would have any interest in you in Campbell County, of all places, at all? And since they do, what is all that about? Why, why do you think that they have been reaching out to you? Well, in my opinion, what they're, they're looking for is they're looking for a story. You know, their, their end goal, yes, they're liberal hacks, but their end goal is to sell papers. And if they think they've got an angle where they can exploit something and sell papers or, you know, whatever, videos or whatever it is that they're selling, they're going to do that. And based on the history in the 80s and 90s of militia, um, sure, they, they think there's a story there. Um, they're always looking for somebody to say something that they shouldn't say so that they can capitalize on it and, you know, make it into a story. Well, I read the stories and I didn't see uh, any way that they tripped you up or any of the other people that they spoke to about uh, uh, militia and their stories tripping them up either. So they must have been rather disappointed that they didn't. Oh, I gotcha type statement. I, I think they uh, were coming. very disappointed. They have not reached out to us in quite some time because <laughs> the only stories that they get don't fit their narrative. So they've actually, we've been interviewed a number of times and they don't even air it. They don't, they don't get anything that they want. There's nothing divisive. There's nothing exciting or violent or whatever. And they just go, well, you know what, this isn't, we're not going to air this. It makes them look good. You know, for, for them, there's probably, I'm sure there's some intrigue there, you know, with this word militia. And I want to go back real quick, Dan, I want to pick your brain. Marty mentioned Virginia Constitution. You mentioned our Constitution, our Second Amendment, right, for the United States. As, you're, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, right, when I listen and hear you talk about the militia, you know, specifically Campbell County Militia, because that's the organization that you're a part of, I'm hearing positive things, right? From what I, I know of yourself and your organization, I know it to be something very positive in the community. Now, I'll share a quick story yeah, here. Let me stop you right there, uh, Pastor, because I think you have a very interesting story how you first met Dan, and I think people will be interested in knowing oh, what happens when someone with the militia calls up a pastor of a church, and how does that conversation go? So tell people, how did that conversation go? Yeah, sure, and that's the exact story that I wanted to share. So me and my wife put together this little Trump train uh, rally, you know, uh, a year or so ago. And, That's um, not undersell it, Jason. I don't think it was little. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. But it just so happens that the three, you know, our, our families were all involved in that in some capacity, and we didn't even know each other at the time. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. But Dan had reached out to me shortly thereafter, and he said, you know what, I think this, this guy might be somebody because he's the pastor of a Patriot church, somebody that, that might want to get involved in the militia and somebody that I might want to get uh, to be you know, a joint, join in a partnership with. So Dan reached out to me and me, I'm not a Virginian. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Floridian. I haven't even been in Virginia for, for three years. So when he said that he was part of a militia for me, 
you know, there, there's a, a negative stigma behind that word. You know, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't know about it. I, I wasn't aware that it was in the constitution at the time. So I said, okay, great to meet you. You know, he, he had let me know that he's a believer in Christ. And, you know, I, I found that honorable and, and we had a brotherhood there. Uh, he was very respectful, but I said, look, I got to do my research because I'm not familiar with what a militia is. And then now in hindsight, when I look back and I did my due diligence and research and I've gotten to know Dan and, and many of the, the members of the organization, I say, man, a great group of guys. But that goes back to my, my question, Dan, is why do you think that there is that stigma? And in today's society, right, our church, people on the, the left, right, and even the woke church, they don't like the term patriot in our name as a church. So- you know, many people are going to try to characterize us in the manner that they want. They, they're going to define things how they want. But why do you think that, uh, you know, maybe people don't have the knowledge? Is it they're naive? Why do you think that that's the case? Is it Does it go back to the 80s and 90s that you mentioned? I, I think there's two parts to it. I, I think part of it is that earned reputation from the 90s. Honestly, I think that's a small part of it. Um, I think the much bigger part of that is the left capitalized on a small bit of earned reputation and used that to write their own narrative to demonize militia because the left is not interested in the security of a free state. In fact, they abhor it. They hate it. There's nothing that the left hates more than the idea of the American people being armed, well-regulated, and trained to arms because that, that Second Amendment particularly well, the whole thing, it, it has to function as one entity, but the Second Amendment exists to restrain government. That's why it's there. That's, you know, you ask people what restrains government, and they'll always say, well, we've got this, this system of checks and balances. We have three distinct branches. They each check each other. Well, that's true, but that system exists to prevent one branch from becoming disproportionately powerful to the other two branches. It doesn't exist to restrain government as a whole and keep it accountable to the people. That's what the Second Amendment is there for. That's a constitutional enforcement agency. That's, that's why the Second Amendment is written into the Constitution is protect the people of this republic from government overreach and from tyranny from abroad. That's, that's why it's there. Or perhaps even tyranny that's uh, local. So that brings me to this story that I want to talk about with you because it took place right here a few miles away in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is not that far from Campbell County. And there was a group of rioters, uh, Antifa-type people, that showed up at a restaurant called Fifth and Federal uh, downtown. And uh, they came, uh, I guess, with threats that they were going to burn the place down. And the owner of the restaurant called the local militia to come out and deter and protect uh, that restaurant from these rioters. And the militia did show up. And also the police showed up at this event. Apparently, uh, from what I read, uh, this took place around 11 o'clock that evening. The, uh, there were some M80 fireworks thrown at the restaurant. Uh, there were some shots fired. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read. Uh, there were several hundred rocks thrown at this restaurant. And this is coming from a mainstream uh, Lynchburg publication. So it's not you know being exaggerated, I think, by uh, people in the militia saying, oh, look how horrible it was. So this has actually been reported. Uh, in the news, uh, and they threatened to burn the uh, restaurant to the ground. Now, uh, the militia showed up uh, and protected that restaurant, I understand, and the police showed up. Afterwards, I read that there was an agreement between the Lynchburg police and the militia 
that the militia would no longer show up at such riotous events uh, because uh, it makes it complicated for the police to know who the good guys are and the bad guys are uh, when they come upon the scene and it's not clearly marked as to who is protecting the restaurant and who is the, the violent rioters. Um, can you confirm that there was an agreement between the local militia and the Lynchburg police that uh, the militia would not be called again at uh, such tyrannical events that are occurring locally? Well, so I belong to Campbell County. Um, I interact with the law enforcement and the board of supervisors in Campbell County on a regular basis. I don't typically interact with law enforcement or city councils or whatever that are outside of my local community. Um, as far as I'm aware, there was no verbal agreement that was reached with law enforcement in the city before, during, or after, um, with the exception of the fact that I can promise you I received dozens of thank yous from law enforcement officers who were completely overwhelmed and overrun. Well, uh, before getting into that, though, uh, I wasn't there. Pastor, were you there at that uh, I was riot? Not. So neither of us were there, and Michael wasn't there. Uh, no. So uh, tell tell our listeners, what took place that night? Um, we just get this little snippet of a report. Yeah. So what really happened? Yeah, yeah. and uh, actually, what uh, what... What was the reason for it there? What, why did the protesters even show up and threaten that particular restaurant? Yeah, sure. So my understanding, let me, let me touch on that first, Michael, so that I don't forget, because I will. Um, my understanding of what had taken place there is that uh, the former president of Liberty University had a mask made that had the blackface Northam photo from the yearbook where he was dressed up as whatever he was supposed to be dressed up as, Ku Klux Klan or whatever it was, and he had it printed on a mask. And, of course, it was in an effort to mock the governor for his hypocrisy and his stupidity as a younger man. And the owner of the restaurant had seen that post on some variety of social media and mm -hmm. commented on it. He said, hey, Jerry, if you have any more of those masks, I'd like them. I want to give them to my employees. <laughs> and, again... The intent there is to kind of poke the governor in the eye right. and mock the tyrannical overreach and the, uh, just the hypocrisy of who he promotes himself as being and who he really is. And, you know, that was the intent. But somehow that was read into as being racist in some fashion, that it was it was an affront to people who have a darker complexion or some such nonsense. And so that was the catalyst for what caused this, this whole fiasco. Um, as far as what actually transpired there... Um, it, at no point did the restaurant reach out to the militia. Um, what had taken place there is there were some guys that were eating in the restaurant as this whole thing started to get spun up earlier in the evening. Starting like 8 and 9 o'clock, there's people going by, they're shouting stuff out the windows, there's people walk, or, or yeah, out the windows of their cars, they're walking by on the street. And it was, it was creating a situation where patrons of the restaurant were very, very uncomfortable. A, a significant portion of their dining there is outdoor, and people are going like, I I feel nervous to even walk to my car. And so there were some gentlemen there that are, you know, ex-military, they're red-blooded patriots, and they care about their fellow man. And so they offered to, you know, some of these patrons, hey, if you don't mind, we'll walk you to your car. And uh, they were, of course, very appreciative of that. And so that quickly turned into, like, wow, there's still a lot of people here, and there's only two of us. I'm going to make a couple of phone calls and get some of my buddies come down here. We'll help cover down the same thing. We'll help escort these people out of here. Well, as darkness fell and the night progressed, the, the riotous mob became increasingly 
large and agitated and you know it, it turned into uh, threats to burn the restaurant to the ground and threats to assault people and uh, so ultimately I think about 21 men from the community ended up at the restaurant and at this point you know there's still a couple of staff members and the owner is there and they've just got a mob that's surrounding the restaurant and it started throwing rocks and you know threatening to loot it and burn it and Right, that's a terrifying situation. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. It how is. many? How many of them were there? Uh, I think estimates coming from law enforcement are some in the neighborhood of two hundred. Wow. Wow. So yeah, two hundred rioters surrounding a restaurant with patrons sitting inside, wondering how safe they would be. Uh, yeah, that had to be pretty scary. And the throwing rocks at this point. Mm-hmm. And you know, so now the patrons are gone, and you've got a couple of staff members, uh, the owner, and you know. I think at this point there's probably 16 or 18 patriots that are in the building. And, you know, they had, the owner had been on the phone repeatedly with uh, law enforcement. Um, there's actually two owners of that business. One of them was out of town. He's watching on security camera footage. And, you know, law enforcement drove by a couple of times. Eventually they did show up. I believe they brought six officers and, you know, tried to basically push that crowd back and stop some of the destruction. And that mob just overran them and basically knocked them down and caused you know bodily injury to officers as well as getting their hands on and destroying i think ultimately they destroyed four police cruisers wow um, you know smashed all the windows out burned them uh fortunately the weapons lockers in those police cruisers are very difficult to break into and they didn't get into them um but they they burned and destroyed and shot full of holes four police cruisers well that could have been a Horrible situation there, sounds like. Yeah, it certainly could have. So, Dan, when you say they were throwing rocks, were they throwing rocks at, at people or, or at the, the restaurant, the building, the cars? Well, at this point, everybody is inside the, the restaurant, and so they just absolutely bombarded. Now, that restaurant is called Fifth and Federal Station. It's an old service station. Um, and so the whole front of that building is roll-up glass garage doors. So there's probably 100 panes of glass the entire front of that building, not a single pane of glass survived. They really? destroyed absolutely every single pane of glass in the entire front of that restaurant, as well as the building next door is, it's called the Adams Building. It used to be a car dealership, so it has a huge glass front of the showroom. They destroyed all the glass in the showroom and destroyed uh, probably six or eight antique cars and motorcycles that were parked in the showroom. Um, so yeah, they, they caused a tremendous amount of damage. It's not we're not talking about a rock or two. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of rocks, um, and you know we're not we're not talking little pebbles or gravels. You know these are these are river rock. They're the size of baseballs to softballs. Did they bring team. the rocks with them? I mean, they're, there's they're, no rocks around that place, right? Well, there are. They're part of the the landscaping. Oh, okay. Um, you know, rocks are lower maintenance than mulch or grass, so there are sections along the sidewalks that are just rock. Rock beds. Yeah, they couldn't have done much damage with mulch, right? Uh, probably not. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So they got to uh, thank the city for bringing the very weapons uh, and placing them right in front of them so they could uh, destroy something. So uh, eventually the police show up. They get overwhelmed by the uh, rioters out there. There's uh, militia type or militia groups inside uh, people defending the restaurant. Um, and I guess eventually... The rioters got tired and went home. I, how did it all end? <laughs> no, I, I wish they had. Um, as as the night progressed and it became clear that we had an extremely dangerous situation. Now, you know, probably fifty percent of the guys that are in the restaurant now 
are involved with one of the local county militias. Um, the other 50% are just guys from the city that realized what was going on and decided to stop and help um, or got a phone call. And, of course, we as the militia are very aware of what's transpiring and going, you know, what's happening here? Is, is law enforcement going to do anything? What, what do we do? You know, we, we form these organizations to protect our communities. Shouldn't we be protecting our communities? Um, but at the same time, we're going, oh, my goodness, this is a really dangerous, really volatile situation. This could this could turn out disastrously. What you know? What do we do? And so we actually got all our people together. I think about 50 guys showed up. Um, you know, we, we put out a text message and uh, a radio call out and uh, about 50 guys showed up. And as the night progressed, you know, we're on the phone with the, our friends on the inside. And uh, finally, you know, by 11, 12 o'clock, they're going, we have not seen a uniformed law enforcement officer or a police cruiser, blue light, anything in hours. You guys got to get us out of here. Um, so eventually we made the decision, all right, we're, we're going to walk down the street and we're going to go get our friends out of there. And, you know, ultimately if a building ends up destroyed, a building ends up destroyed, but it's not worth, you know, allowing men to you know, sacrifice their lives over this. You know, Pastor, uh, I'm thinking that this is a shocking story all by itself. Uh, I think the fact that the local police wasn't out there to put down this riot I don't know. That probably shocks me more than the riots because I guess right now I'm used to the riots breaking out, but it's becoming difficult for me to believe that police now are just standing by unresponsive and not helping out these businesses that are being built by moms and pops from being destroyed by rioters over something as silly as this, supporting Liberty University, the former Liberty University's president, uh, statement about a face mask. I mean, really, a face mask. Yeah, it was. It was you have people political. showing up, ready to burn your restaurant down, and then the police not showing up to help. I mean, what, what do you make of this, Pastor? It, it's crazy, and as Dan is saying this, I'm I'm flabbergasted by the fact that the police aren't there. And keep in mind, when when was this again, Dan? Exactly. It was uh, May 31st, uh, 2020. May 21st, okay. So, you know, kind of before this whole outrage of defund the police or maybe at the very beginning stage, but yeah, but, you know, we, we should be able to depend on our police. So it, it's shocking that they weren't there, but it, it makes us as citizens appreciate militia groups. But like, you would think there'd be some type of internal investigation at this point into me, the uh, Lynchburg City Police Department as to why they didn't respond to help this restaurant out and they needed to call the local militia in to get the patrons and the workers and the owner out of the building. I just don't understand yeah, it. It doesn't make It's mind-boggling. Let me share a little bit different perspective on that. Um, I don't necessarily fault or hold law enforcement responsible for the way that that transpired. And, you know, I come to it with a little different perspective. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I do work for the Virginia Army National Guard. And the Virginia Army National Guard is trained on riot and civil unrest response. You know, the, the riot shields and the body armor and the whole nine yards. Um, you know, if you had asked me two years ago if I believed that Lynchburg City Police Department should devote time, effort, and taxpayer dollars to purchasing tens of thousands of dollars worth of riot equipment and training their department to deal with a riot when they have not seen riots, maybe ever, 
in the city of Lynchburg, I would have said that's a misallocation of taxpayer dollars. Um, you know, there's to deal with a riot situation like that, it requires a whole bunch of specialized gear, specialized training. It also requires a, a physical prowess and a mindset that typically local city police departments and sheriff's departments, they're, they're not geared for that. They're not trained for that. It's, it requires a soldier's mentality. And law enforcement are not supposed to be soldiers. They're, they're, they're public servants. Their day-to-day job is to interact with sober-minded civil people not to go to war. And that environment is much more like war. Um, also, in order to pull the manpower necessary for an incident like that, it certainly takes time. You know, it's an interagency cooperation of every sheriff's department in the area, the state police, the city's uh, police department. There are a lot of logistics and a lot of moving parts. Um, I, I don't fully fault law enforcement. I don't consider it to be as as drastic a failure as, as some might. All right. Well, let's say that we do not fault the Lynchburg Police Department for this. All right. But what you just said there would not give a lot of business owners and Lynchburg a lot of comfort uh, because basically what you're saying is that the Lynchburg Police Department is not capable of protecting their establishment when there's a riot. I, I don't know how that makes anybody well, who runs a business in Lynchburg feels secure after uh, making an argument that, hey, well, the local police are not equipped to deal with riots. I, uh, but it does make a good case as to why we need uh, local militia. I, I, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think it makes a great case for it because the expansion in budget that would be required to outfit and train and staff and equip riot squads in all of these localities, the tax burden would be unreal. But if there was an organization that was willing to volunteer to fill that role, let's look at a, a more modern rendition of militia from the 1700s. I would say it's a posse. In the Midwest and the West, you had a sheriff and maybe a couple of deputies. But if he had a law enforcement issue that was larger than what he could deal with or could be handled by two or three deputies, he would deputize the able-bodied men in the community to assist in maintaining law and order. And I don't see any reason that we can't do something very similar to that today. Why can't law enforcement train citizens and call on them when they need them? Now, one other thing I will say in defense of the city, um, we live in a different world today than we lived in two years ago. And I think that law enforcement is very, very cognizant of that. And I believe that they have taken steps. Um, If you look at there were riots in the city the following nights as well. I think there were three or four nights of rioting following that. And the city pulled assets from the Virginia State Police and the surrounding counties, and they squashed it and stamped it out and handled it. So I, I think we, we adapted and overcame. I think we were caught with our pants down, but uh, we recognized that, and I think that we adapted and overcame. But I 100% agree with your assessment. I, I think that constitutional militia historically has been and should be today an integral part of local law enforcement community support and backing our local governments. So to that point, Dan, it really shows why the owner of that restaurant, you said that you've received dozens and dozens and dozens of thank yous. Mm -hmm. So because let's be honest, had the militia and it from what the way you make it sound, it seems like it was both Campbell County and Benford out there, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So had it not been for those local militia groups, 
who knows what would have happened there? They they might have they might have burned down the restaurant. Yeah, the the timeline there for law enforcement finally showing up with their SWAT teams and their armored vehicles and all that. They showed up right about the same time that that we finally decided. You know what? We we can't wait any longer. Um, now I would certainly expect them to be mobilized quicker, um, but you know that that didn't happen. But we we learned from it. Um, all right. Well, we're running out of time. I want to get this in though because I think it's important because it, it kind of dovetails with this incident in Lynchburg at the Fifth and Federal Restaurant. But this took place 4,000 miles from here in Portland, Oregon, where a minister was holding a worship prayer service on the street, and it was opposed by Antifa members who did not want them praying or holding that religious service on the street. It was just an open-air event. And when the Antifa got there, they came with their typical black block attire. Uh, They threw flash bombs at these worshipers. They sprayed red and yellow gas on these worshipers. And now mind you, people in attendance here were mothers with children and even babies. Uh, Antifa members went and they stole the sound equipment from these worshipers. They even tear gassed a mother and her baby. Now, as this was going on, the Portland police were sitting in their police cars just watching the event unfold and would not respond to the attack going on to this uh, Christian event. Uh, And eventually, the Proud Boys showed up, which is, I guess, the antithesis of the Antifa, and they have their reputation. I don't want to get into that here, because I really don't know that much about them. But what ended up happening, again, was private citizens needed a private group of people to assist them in what was turning out to be a riot. Um. And that kind of dovetails to what happened here in, in the Lynchburg case. Once again, giving a credence to the need to have local militias in your community. Because if the police aren't going to help you, who are you going to call? This isn't Ghostbusters. you got to have someone to call here, someone that's real. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with your assessment. And, you know, I look at my own safety and security as being my responsibility. You know, the safety and security of myself and my wife and daughter is my responsibility. However, it's also government's responsibility. If, if you look at, uh, let's look at the Declaration of Independence. Um, the Declaration of Independence actually tells us exactly what the purpose of government in America is. And so if you look at the opening of the Declaration of Independence, it says that uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So that, that phrase, uh, for this reason governments are instituted amongst men, tells us that whatever precedes that is the reason that we have government in America, and that's to protect life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So in that case, is it the right of those people to assemble and to worship God as they see fit in a public place. It absolutely is. So it is the job of government, really the sole job of government, to protect their individual liberty, to exercise their religion as they see fit, assuming it doesn't infringe on someone else's liberty. So, yeah, the city police department failed horribly. That's the reason it exists. That's the reason that we we pay taxes, is so that government protects our individual liberty. 
Pastor, I want to give you the final word here because I think there's something in the Bible that talks about uh, how God established state authority to punish the wicked here on earth and uh, put them in charge of making sure that events like this are dealt with and are dealt swiftly with and the people who commit these acts are punished. Now, in this particular case, these two cases, no one in Portland was arrested or punished. I don't know if anybody in the Lynchburg incident was arrested or punished, but I have not heard of such. 27 arrests. 27 arrests. Uh, all of them were the rioters? Correct. Okay. So uh, uh, this seems to be uh, uh, something the, the Bible tells us about, right? That the, the government is there to protect us. Um, but in addition, that if the government does fail to protect us, then we have a right to protect ourselves. That's correct, Marty. And I think you're speaking of Romans 13, right? So many of us in the church and even in the pulpit, we take Romans 13 so out of context. And we love to just pull the first verse or two there in Romans 13, but we don't continue. And like you're saying is that the government is for the good of the people. And once, and, and it's, it's supposed to protect us from the evil, right? So once we have an evil government, we're not now supposed to, as the church, as the people, as the governed, as Dan said, we're not to submit to the government. So I'm grateful for militia groups. It's a great group of guys, great group of people. And as we talked about uh, Fifth and Federal, you know, I, I just think about that and I think, man, had it not been for that group that I was naive myself a year or so ago when Dan reached out or even a year plus, you know, what, what, what could have happened? And we're talking about human life, right? We're not just talking about a restaurant, a business and a building that's bad enough, but we're talking about human life. And these men that Dan spoke about his, his group of people, they were greatly outnumbered. So I'm glad that they got out of there unscathed as far as human casualties go. So great topic. I think that we're talking about today with the militia. Yeah. And Dan, I want to thank you for joining our podcast uh, this evening. Uh, you know, uh, I know you're not going to consider yourself a hero, but, you know, it's people like you who have courage, which translates into being a hero uh, that we need more of and recognized in our society. People who are doing things that are, well, our Christian duty to protect the life, liberty and limb of our fellow man, whether they are Christian or they're not Christian. And to stick your neck out on the line and go up against, in that case, you know, 200 plus rioters to defend a building and the people inside, hey, that takes some courage. There's not a lot of people out there that would have run down uh, to put their life and risk their future in harm's way. So, but again, I want to thank you for being a part of our show. It was great having you here. Oh, yeah, thank pleasure. you, Dan. Absolute pleasure. All right, Patriots, that's it. Um, please, if you want to contact us, we have an email address. It's shoutoutpatriots at christianaction.org. It's shoutoutpatriots at christianaction.org. And remember to uh, subscribe to our podcast so that every time that we have a new one out, it gets delivered into your box. So thanks again for joining us. Good night. Good night.